The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny, Sestina, and company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy. This is Tyler Cook, Cole Hammock, Spencer Hager with you today, all certified financial planners. Gentlemen, how are you? Excellent. Good to be here. Good to see you. Cole, I didn't know Cole was going to be here today, Spencer. Yeah, I know. Surprise. Yeah. I don't uh, know if it's ever been the three of us on before. If so, it's been forever. I was going to say, Tyler, I feel like it's been like two months at least since we've been on together. It could be, yeah. yeah. I was on a couple of weeks ago, but we've got a great lineup of uh, people that can come in and contribute to the show, and yep, it's that. great. Got a growing team. So, well, again, as usual, guys, a lot to cover, a lot going on in the that's world. The truth. Uh, we're going to spend significant amount of time talking about current events. There's a lot that's been going on just to start the month of May here, and uh, a lot of moving parts, a lot of questions, a lot of fear and anxiety. And part of our role as financial planners is to help calm that, right? Be that voice of, yep. of calm or reason. And it's hard in the middle of, of storms, right? We've seen yeah, a lot of storms the last couple of years, guys. Haven't we? <laughs> but uh, that's that's part of our value and what we're doing. And so I really, the concept today is going to be, I want to talk about the managing in managing to be wealthy. I like that. What that actually means. That's deep goal. It's yeah, deep. that's good. <laughs> and you actually break it down, right? You can break down the managing aspect and then the to be wealthy aspect. But uh, we'll talk. We'll talk a lot about that and, and really explain what that actually means. Because John picked that phrase, that tagline, many years ago for a reason. Yeah. And we'll we'll share some insight and little little history lesson on what that means and what what it looks like going forward. So again, the managing and managing to be wealthy. So that'll be fun. But let's start with uh, some current events, guys. There's so much this past past week or so. There's been mm-hmm. uh, market volatility all over the place. There's been Fed announcements. There's been GDP reports. There's been uh, payroll reports. So let, let's start first with with GDP. So what do we see there? Yeah, so uh, I, th- I think when you look out and just kind of pay attention to what's going on, it's not terribly surprising, but it, it hurts to see it. Uh, so GDP fell 1.4% to start the year, and this is coming off of uh, Q4 2021, where we were up, what, the highest since 1980-something, 5-point-something yeah. percent. It was a pretty big swing in yeah, six the, months. The expectation was, what, a 1% gain, and it was a 1.4% yeah. loss. Um, and that, that's concerning just from the standpoint of when you talk about things like stagflation, right, where you've got negative GDP growth plus high mm-hmm. inflation, that's a concern and recipe for recession type things. So that's one headline, but you really got to dig into these reports like we talk about, right? You got to really dig in. What are you looking at me well, for? Well, that's like? what I was going to say. Like, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm at the point where I can't even separate the signal from the noise that well anymore. Like when yeah. uh, I had some people ask me, what do you think about the first quarter being rough? My only response was, I got to see what the second quarter does. Because for all I know, this could be a fluke. There's a million different moving pieces going on. If the second quarter goes negative, then I'll be pretty concerned. Right now, I just they give you a bunch of bullet points yeah. for what it could be. I don't even know if I buy it anymore with how much things have been changing for the past two years. Yeah. And inflation, we talk about that as a continued theme on the show. And just want to give an update there, too, where we're at. But it's still, we're still seeing the numbers like you know since the 1980s. Haven't seen anything like this in terms of inflation. But um, really, the key I think is is going back to spending, right? That's what GDP is obviously based off. The, one yeah, of the absolutely. biggest factors yep, is, right. is consumer spending, of course. Uh, there's still people that want to spend money. Uh, yep. I saw a report today though that some people have pulled back, or I think it was like a seven percent pullback on uh, online spending. 
right? So that's that surge during COVID, right? Yep. Amazon sure. and everything else. Now that seems to be leveling out. But I think that's really the message when you see these reports. You got to stay even keel with these things, right? It's never as good as it seems when the market's up a thousand points. It's never as bad as it seems when it's down a thousand points. It's somewhere in between. And so when you, when we're bombarded with these headlines constantly, just take a step back and take a deep breath. You know, are you a are you a day trader, or are you an investor? It's very yeah. different, right, guys? Absolutely. I think that's the key too when you talk about what's happening with the Fed, and that's the next thing, next current event, most recent thing that happened was last week, the Fed raised uh, their target rate right by mm-hmm. half a percent. What happened when they did that? I mean, it shot up. It looked like it was positive. Um, they shot up the rates half percent, but they also said at the same time, we're probably not going to go much more aggressive than that because mm-hmm. pretty much everyone baked in. They were going to bump it half percent. The real question, I think, on the table was are they going to even get more aggressive with it? Yeah. They said they weren't. Market reacted positively, and then I don't think it's doing so hot today. <laughs> yeah, day after, yeah, it's, it took, it, took right a dive. You'd be right about that. Well, that's, it's, this was the largest rate hike since the year 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, again, the reason why you're doing this, boil that down. Why, are, why is the Fed doing this? Well, they're trying to control the monetary supply and, and calm inflation is mm-hmm. really the goal by raising the rates. Uh, it's just funny, though. You see, again, it's truly day-to-day. If we were if we were day traders, we'd be going insane. Oh, yeah. Right, I wouldn't have any hair. I'd look yeah. very different. <laughs> you don't have a lot right now. But uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I have, I'm pretty sure under here I have a funny-shaped head, so nobody wants to... <laughs> No one wants to see that. So, yeah, so that's, I mean, obviously rates are going to go up. Now, we talked about that in the previous shows about what that does to mortgages and those types of things. And, and there, there's definitely a ripple effect through different parts of the economy. But the part that concerned me as far as some of these other most recent current events is what you're seeing happen in, in the jobs sector, right? What's mm-hmm. happening in payroll uh, with, with private payrolls and then what's happening with actually workers' output, right? The productivity of our economy. Mm-hmm. And, and if you think about that, that's what makes America great all these years. And that's been... U.S. workers' productivity. Absolutely, we're not, ta- we're not taking siestas at two o'clock in the afternoon, right? <laughs> you, are you no calling bueno. out a certain country? When you I've been there. Been, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll call it what it is. When I was in Spain, I was shocked. Like, <laughs> I, was, I was shocked. <laughs> yeah. just, oh, time for siesta. That sounds cool for like a week, and then it's Let's like, see. no, no that's, in. you realize why productivity is what it is, and yeah. our GDP is what it is. So, uh, <laughs> that, but that's the core of our spirit, truly. Absolutely it really right. is. And so, I think that there's some concerning data coming out as far as where we where we're trending. With our, our workers' productivity. So what did that look like, Cole? Well, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, to your lead-in, just not good. Uh, when I first saw the news come through, I was in Pennsylvania visiting my wife's grandparents, and the first thing I saw when I saw the headline was, oh, no, uh, because that's usually uh, indicative that things aren't going to, to trend positively yeah. over the next couple of days, and we're seeing that right now. Um but, yeah, it's, uh, it missed the mark by almost 50%. So uh, payrolls grew by 247,000, uh, expecting somewhere closer to, what was it, four, 500? 470, yeah. 470, yeah. 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 yeah, so that's a concern, too, because it's all about private sector jobs. You're going to see these government jobs that come and go. And there's some sure. seasonality with some of those things as well. Even yeah. in the retail sector, like you see the jobs reports will get a bump in the in the uh, fall because they're bracing mm-hmm. for this holiday sales season, things like that. But, so uh, Otherwise pretty consistent. Yeah. The one, the one encouraging thing, though, is within the entertainment sector, leisure and entertainment, that where there was some positive trends there within the jobs reports. Um, but let's talk about the productivity aspect for a moment. And just really there's two things that play with that. So worker output, which is just a measure of productivity and efficiencies mm-hmm. of, of our workers here in America, that fell 7.5% for the first quarter. And that's the biggest decline since 1947. 75 years. Been a long time since you yeah. saw that. At the same time, the other side of that, right, so productivity, workers are less productive. At the same time, the companies who employ these people are seeing their labor costs go through the roof. 
mm-hmm. right? and that's tied to inflation and everything else. So first quarter labor costs surged 11.6%. So you've got less efficient workers at a higher cost. That's not a good recipe, right, for the yeah, long term? Yeah, and this is kind of what, uh, in to your point, Tyler, like I'm not trying to spook anyone out, but it does, when I saw that today with the labor productivity dropping, it took me back to back in 2020, I had a bunch of people, yeah, I mean, at least a handful that asked me, serious question, why can't we just keep spending like this forever? Why can't we just keep printing? What's going to go wrong? It does kind of feel like this is a little bit of a reckoning for it. I'm not saying anything was wrong or bad, but I'm just saying this seems like it was a culmination. You're saying just printing money for stimulus, things like that? Yeah, I mean, you got to pay for it eventually, and this kind of feels like a reckoning to some extent. Yeah, I think there's a lot there. And I think if we keep our productivity uh, and, and can kind of curtail some of these drops, well, you know, we're going to be okay. And that's really the, the takeaway with all of these GDP numbers, payroll reports, worker output, and so forth, the Fed raising rates. These are part of economic cycles. Yeah. We've gone through it. Be the peaks and valleys. Right. It's mm-hmm. part of a... You learn this in business class, right? The business and expansion and yep. parts of the economy. It doesn't feel great when you're at the trough, right, or the, the recession part and so forth. But um, the people who are going to get hurt are the ones that get off the, the train that's going down at 100 miles an hour right now. So stay the course. Stay the course. Stick with it because there's a lot there that there's, you just, there's so many unknowns, right? And then you end up just kind of chasing your tail. So, um, well, guys, we're coming up here on a break. But when we get back, I want to talk about recent college graduates and what they're going to expect to earn at their first job outside of uh, or graduating from school. Uh, I think there's some uh, imbalance there. A, a bit of a disparity. A reality check's coming for yep. that. So we'll talk about that after the break. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is Tyler Cook, joined by Cole Hammock and Spencer Hager. Uh, Sticking with that theme, guys, talking current events. Again, there's a lot going on in the world I mentioned before the break that a lot of recent college graduates getting ready for the big day. I know here uh, this coming this week, Ohio State's doing their graduation. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, And you've got, of course, colleges all across the country and universities that are going to celebrate that big day. So that's a great accomplishment. Now what's next, right? The real world. (laughs) And That's the truth. There's a study that just came out talking about what college graduates are expecting to earn. And and it looks like from this survey, and by the way, I dug into the survey because I always want to see where did this information come from? Respect that. Right. It's what's Because there's some names you just never hear of, and it's like they interviewed 10 people, and that's the survey size, right? This was 1,000 people. Oh, good. By, done by a company called Clever. And college graduates are overestimating their salaries by $50,000. <laughs> Over. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not like a, they're expecting 150 or they're expecting 200 They're going to get paid 150 Right. They're expecting just over 100000 and the average actually comes out to 50. Right. It's, it's very different. So how does that happen? How, do you, how are you that far off? I don't know. And I was going to say, I don't know if I would say even just 100. Like, I think that's a pretty good starting salary coming out of college. It's fair. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to downplay I that. I just mean that I don't know. I, like, a lot of these articles, when we're looking them up, I'm like, yeah, it's a little bit staggering to see the headline, but I'm not shocked by it. When I saw there was a $50,000 differential, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how you get that. It, I don't want to say anything fiery, but it feels a little bit fairy taleish. <laughs> and it like, get us I in just, trouble, Spencer. I don't yeah. know how people in with these four-year degrees are getting the illusion that they're going to 
average that, that's the low end coming right out of college, 100 grand. I mean, depends on what you're doing, but. It's certainly there's some uh, location, right? Like New York yeah. City, for example, versus yeah. Columbus, yeah. Ohio, and so forth. But put, putting some num- numbers to that, so starting salaries for 2022. Uh, computer sciences, that's the highest starting average salary. So your major, let's say your major is computer sciences, the average starting salary is 75000 And that, right? that, that being the highest, and that's not even 100 Right, right. Yeah. So going going down to like humanities, and the study shows humanities <laughs> starting at 50000 So if you think you're going to graduate and make 100000 right out of the gate, probably not going to be uh, one of these things on the list, right? Even in business, starting business salary is sixty grand. Yeah, and right, those are those are good starting salaries. Let's not downplay absolutely. that too, right? That's that's I think you said that earlier, but yeah. um, expectations, boy, oh boy, that's that's way off. So yeah. I, I don't think that study could really attribute to what was actually doing that. I think it's just looking through maybe some rose colored glasses that these graduates have. Yeah, and what I think you need to look at too is where that uh, that, that sector, what it is you're wanting to major in, is going. Because talking computer sciences, the, the chart actually goes in to say what the change was from the prior year. So those salaries are actually up 5%. So that was the one that was the top of the line. You'd reference that one. You also referenced humanities. That one's down about 15% from last year. So you have to look if there's growth opportunity yeah. in your major as well. All right, so I'm going to play devil's advocate because I was thinking okay. about this. So like, how well do you think you guys knew what you were going to make in your industry coming out of college? Because I'll be honest, I was looking at this in like computer science. I was like, oh, 76000 makes sense. And I thought about it. I'm like, well, I didn't know that because I looked up what each industry makes. It's because I knew a bunch of peers, friends. Right. They graduated, went into a career, made around seventy seventy five. Do you guys feel like you knew what the salary was going to be coming out? I, uh, being candid with you, I knew it was going to be nothing. Right, I, just okay. started, I had to there build my go. book of business. Yeah, but I knew the opportunity in front of me. That's yep. the difference. That's Not, now I'm very weird. I knew what I wanted to do at fourteen. Right, that's when I shadowed John. Yeah, when I was fourteen years old. Okay, so. From the rest is history, literally from that, from internships and so forth. But I knew the it was going to take a lot of grinding in the beginning and, and just, you know, head down and go, go, go. But there was a sky's the limit type mindset, which mm-hmm. we still embrace that uh, with our team. So, you know, I think it's just you talk about that the study and, and how somebody could be so far off in that. And I, maybe they're reading stuff online or, or talking to yeah. friends and peers. And there's maybe that one person who will get that hundred grand you yeah. know, right out. But very, very rare. Yeah, and even then, like the amount that they're expecting, it's a pretty clean, almost $100,000. That's the, hey, you need to go to college. You need to get your degree. You need a pass. You need to do well. It's just thinking six figures maybe is what drew that to. And you hope while they're in the class, in college, they took some classes on personal finance because even if you think you're going to make hundred k, is that much you keep, right? Yeah. After taxes and everybody, everybody else gets paid, student loans, those types of things. That's start. what I was going to say. I feel like some of it's like you're flying by the seat of your pants. Like you're just, you're racking up a, lo- a bunch of student loans, telling yourself you're going to graduate and make this amount. And then you're just being probably candid when you get that question for the survey. And unfortunately, you're probably a little bit off. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, the good news is studies to continue to show college graduates will earn nearly a million more over their careers, right, versus not going to college. So that still seems to be something that's uh, a trend there. But everybody's got their own path on how yep. they get to their career, and uh, that path can be winding and have some detours along the way. But good luck to everybody graduating. But uh, just keep your expectations in line and, and uh, keep your head about you, right? Don't yeah. don't get lost in the clouds. There good luck go. to my Franklin University grads. Yeah, there you go. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> they, they make it possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone always says Ohio State. <laughs> Very nice. All right, guys. Last current event, and then we'll get into the managing of managing to be wealthy. Yep. I, I couldn't resist, guys. I'm so glad you didn't. I, this is just uh, last couple of weeks, right? Court case, getting a lot of buzz. Keep going. Of course, I'm talking about Johnny Depp. Amber Heard. Yep. 
right? This defamation lawsuit. It's uh, gotten pretty ugly. It's my been wife's, a wild ride. My wife's got that thing on the, the TV on in the background, and, and I'm getting my updates from her. It's pretty hilarious, some of the discussions and what's <laughs> happening. Um, but there is, a, there is a planning topic and, and a, a serious conversation to, to take away from this and, and really a, a, a lesson to be learned. But, of course, with these celebrities, and we've talked about a few scenarios over the years, it's always at the extreme, right, when you're talking about yeah. the dollar amounts involved. But, of course, this, these concepts can apply to, to anybody. But right now there's a $50 million defamation lawsuit going on that Johnny Depp brought against his ex-wife, Amber Heard. Right, they were actually divorced back in 2017. That's mm-hmm. when it was finalized. So five years later, you're still dealing with a very public at this point uh, dispute and disagreement and whatever you want to call it. But I really think just kind of reading about this and um, getting the updates from my wife, the TMZ news correspondent, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, just put some numbers to her. Back when the the divorce happened, Miss Heard sought fifty thousand per month in spousal support to maintain her marital lifestyle. In addition to that. The settlement provided for Depp to pay her $7 million. Uh, there was some back and forth on, on what was actually going to happen with that money. But any, long story short, Johnny Depp actually ended up donating uh, that money to charity. And then circling back to the tax side of this thing, there was discussions about uh, how much of a deduction Johnny would get for making a charitable donation. And actually, since he got a $7 million deduction, he should actually have to contribute $14 million. Right? The point being is if he had done some planning in advance – Plan the divorce before the marriage. I know that sounds really harsh, okay? But if you do some advanced planning, yeah. this marriage lasted 16 months. And this that guy's paying wild. millions and millions and millions of dollars. Forget all the other, you know, theatrics behind this. If there had been a prenup in place, it would have eliminated, I think, what you're seeing on TV today, yeah. right? The court TV and all this other stuff. Because now it's it's clearly there's bad blood. It's just, it's, it's you know, their word you know, versus, versus each other, mm-hmm. right? He said, she said type thing. But a, a prenup would have limited quite a bit of, of the monetary side of things. And I think it would have kept a lot of this private too. The private aspect would have been done through like a prenup along with a, a confidentiality agreement type thing. Um, and when you're a high level, you know, celebrity like this, it's, it's, there's, there's clips of <laughs> Johnny Depp laughing and going back and forth. But you got to think at, at the end of the day, he's pretty stressed out, right? Both of them have to be. Can't imagine. Doesn't matter what side else. you're on, right? It's very stressful. So, um, you know, the prenup could have helped, but, and it's not just celebrities, right? If you're in a scenario where, you know, you're in a, another marriage or you've got kids from a previous marriage, you might want to consider something like this. Or if you've got a lot of assets coming into a marriage, both spouses have assets, you know, just spell out what happens. And again, I know some, sometimes you hear the, the, the adage that, well, aren't we setting ourselves up for failure if we talk about this now? Right. And that's, that's a personal decision. It really is. But when you see this on the other side of it and how messy it can get, you think, boy, if I would have done a little proactive planning, things might have been different. So anyways, enough of that, guys. We'll move on to managing and managing to be wealthy when we get back from the break. <laughs> Looking forward to You're it. listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. This is Tyler Cook, Cole Hammock, Spencer Hager with you, all certified financial planners. And be sure to check out our website. Go to managingtobewealthy.com. There's a lot of great content there. I uh, see a picture of Cole. You just got some new headshots done, Cole. Looks sure good. did. You uh, did too, Spencer, didn't you? I sure did. Yeah. Oh, you Please did take a look. Yeah. Put some right. faces with the name. Yeah. 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 And the voice. Uh, but yeah, managingtobewealthy.com. Top right, there's a button that says take action, and you can schedule a complimentary consultation with one of our certified financial planners. Review our services and what we do and see if we may be a good fit to work together. 
And uh, that's what I'm talking about next, guys, is, is just what we actually do on a daily basis. And it's always fascinating to me. I did this about a year ago on the show. It's been a while. I should probably do it more often. But I just stopped, and, and I'm calling this segment kind of like the mailbag, right? What's in my inbox this week? <laughs> just this week alone. Of course, everything's confidential. won't share any specifics. But I think it'll give people a great idea of what we're actually doing on a day-to-day basis. Love that. Uh, it's not just, as we talk about all the time, it's not investing, right? That's part of it. Yeah. But that's, as you'll see here when we go through this list, it's a very small piece to it. But going back to that managing and managing to be wealthy, um, you know, the, the true financial planning process that John, you know, is, is one of the founders of and, and going back in, you know, many, many years now, 57 years ago, the whole core uh, in the mission back then was client first. Mm-hmm. All right. Put the client first. Now that sounds like, well, yeah, right. That's what you should be doing. Yeah, and now you hear the term fiduciary and all these other things that are thrown out there as far as how you describe that. But I'll never forget John talking about when he came up with that tagline, managing to be wealthy. When you first hear it, I'll ask both of you separately, Spencer first. When you hear managing to be wealthy, now remove yourself from working there, obviously. What do you, what do you when you hear that phrase, what is it, what comes to mind? Uh, I mean, very easy. It's just working to become financially independent, wealthy. I'll tie it back to, I'm not sure if this is where you're going with it, kind of my own personal thing. Like when I first started interning with the firm and Came into it, I kind of think I was like most people. I expected there to be some like secret sauce, right? You come to work with a financial planning firm, you discover all these crazy things that you never knew about before. And I think that's true to some extent, but I almost came with like that, what's the get rich quick scheme? And I th- think that's what a lot of people think of. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more what the whole managing to be wealthy process is. It's, you know, take control of the reins and everything. It's not going to be a super quick process, but the longer you work it, touch on everything in the plan, you'll manage to be wealthy eventually. Okay, cool. That, that one's going to be hard to follow up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a little bit more succinct, but what I was thinking when you first said it is it's a, it's a continuous process, so that managing aspect of it. So it's not you come in, you have one meeting, immediately you're wealthy. No, you have to constantly work at it, massage it, work the process, work your plan, and you're going to get there. But it's not going to be an overnight sort of thing. Yep. Good, good. I, I think, uh, again, there's no wrong answer to this, by the way. It's just it's interesting to hear different perspectives on what it is and uh, – I think when I, you know, I've talked to John about this over the years, it was really, when you hear managing and wealthy, people think wealth management, and that is not what we are, right? In fact, I'll never forget John cringing when I talked to him one time about, hey, what do you think if we, like, added the word wealth management into the whole thing? And, and he's like, he's like, ugh, why would you ever do that? And, and the reason why was, think about this, if, if we already have challenges within our industry, or it's, you know, of it in itself, right, if, of uh, you see the headlines all the time, right? People doing Ponzi schemes, people just taking yeah. client, taking advantage of clients in every way you possibly can. And that gives all of us a bad rep, whether we like it or not. So wealth management, that industry, right? What happens if all of a sudden that falls out of favor, that term, right? And now you're Sestina Wealth Management or whatever else your name is, right? So the, so the focus of the tagline was always to be focused on what the actual process is and what we do. So called the continuous aspect of the planning that's really the key, but the managing part that comes into the, the fact that we're coaches. That's what we are. Yeah, right. It, absolutely. And this stuff is far more personal than it is finance. We've talked about that many years. Uh, but the key here is that when you think of that mindset, it's that's really what it is. It's a mindset, and it it the secret sauce to your point, Spencer. It's the people in the process. That's what it is. That's what the managing part is. Mm-hmm. That's why we're meeting constantly. Uh, not only just as obviously serving clients, but internally. I mean, how many communications do we have throughout the week just on separate items about process and trying to improve things? Oodles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enough to drive you crazy. I mean, you're emailing me at 11 p.m., Cole. I'm here uh, for you, Tyler. And Spencer, you're at 5 a.m., right? So we got yep. it up, we got all yep. the bases covered, right? Yep. I bet if you added it up, actually, if you looked at all the planners, planners working, 
there's probably downtime from like 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. when people are actually sleeping. That's pretty solid. Yeah. And you look at the rest of it, it's coverage. one of you's up doing something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, but that's that's what I mean by managing is it's a it's a continuous, nonstop, continuous process, and and it truly requires uh, focus on the, what which, what the goals are, and that's the wealthy part. So when you define wealthy, that means different things to different people. You could ask somebody who's worth $100 million if they're wealthy, and they'll say no because they're comparing themselves to Elon Musk, Yeah, right? So it's all relative in that sense. So let's continue with that and talk specific examples. This is just from my, my inbox, right, as far as what we're looking at. And I'm going to run through, run through a few of these things and have a little fun here. And you guys can chime in with, with similar, uh, you know, similar situations that you're working on. So just this week alone, right, I've been working on coordinating – Charitable giving strategies, right? So whether or not uh, somebody's going to donate stock, appreciated stock, to a to a church, for example, or if they're going to give to a homeless shelter, um, and this is all across the country, right? You know, it's been pretty pretty neat since COVID, guys. About sixty five percent of the new clients that we've had outside of Ohio, right? Pretty good ratio. Every time I talk to people about that, they get shot. They're what? How do you? How do you? What? Yeah. You're, you're, you're in Columbus. Well, we've always been virtual. We've always had the ability to meet, with, with regardless of where where people are. And that's just been extended, right, with, with what's going on. That's so, great. Keep, so, again, working with charities in Georgia, Arizona, California, uh, you, I mean, we're coast to coast, right, yeah. in this scenario. And you would brought up gifting appreciated stock. What's the, the point of that? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of reasons there. Obviously, the primary focus is just making sure that the charity gets you know, the gift, right? That's the top thing. Mm-hmm. But if you can be creative on how you structure the gift, then you look at options like, okay, well, if I give this stock to the church instead of me giving – writing a check, right, or put money in when the basket comes around type thing, uh, then that stock, you don't have to pay the capital gain tax on it, right? So you avoid paying 15% on the gain, plus you get a tax deduction for it. That's a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. Yeah. It's basic, but I, you wouldn't believe how many times that just gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just uh, keeping on the, the, the vein of charitable giving, I'm a big fan of front-loading as well, so bundling deductions. Yeah. So if maybe there's a – you're – keen on giving 10 grand a year whatever it is but historically you've been taking the standard deduction just because it's so high right now maybe think about doing two years in a single year you'll itemize your deductions you'll squeeze more out of the tax code and then next year you don't give and just rinse and repeat because you'll take the standard deduction that year you'll come out ahead on your taxes you got it that's that's the managing part that's That's it it right there um Another one, looking at alternative investments, right? So, by the way, stop mm. me when I get to, like, telling you when to buy Google and sell Apple, okay? <laughs> Tell me when I get there. <laughs> All right. So, alternative investments. So, looking at investment opportunities within storage units, right? That's actually been a really popular alternative investment the last however many, five or six years now. And that's mm-hmm. because of uh, what they call it. There's four things right there. It's relocation, right, or dislocation, job change, things like that, death and divorce, and downsizing. And those things are really driving demand storage units. I mean, you look around here in town in Columbus, they're everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely everywhere. Uh, and so, that, so that's been one thing. Also evaluating multifamily real estate opportunities. Again, you see those everywhere. Not, I mean, again, we have clients all across the country, so we talk to them and what's going on in their area. Uh, and it's just incredible how many multifamily buildings are still going up. So yeah. I helped evaluate and walk through some of those. Cole, you help a lot with that as well. Happy to do uh, it. I reviewed some uh, independent third-party uh, investment statements. Now, that's again, that's not me saying buy Apple, sell Google. <laughs> it's just evaluating overall costs, making sure that the clients are taken care of in that sense, and evaluating and just making sure that the money's in the best place for them. Because we don't care where the money is, Cole, right? As long as it's in the best place. And I love I love saying that to clients. Um, but it, what, bringing up the uh, third-party broker statements, it's crazy the things you'll see on those. 
uh, the, the commissions, the front end loads, which we can get into. I know we're coming up on a break, but uh, it's it's wild how much people pay and just don't realize it. And what I think the other part of that too is they think they're paying for a service, right? Like a planning service. It's air quote service. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just it's nothing but. Uh, uh, in that case, it's it's, it's investment uh, lack of investment advice yeah. would be my recommendation or my my take. But we'll continue this theme, guys. There's a lot more to get to in the mailbag section. So you're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. This is Tyler Cook, Cole Hammock, Spencer Hager, all certified financial planners. And gentlemen, let's continue the discussion of the, you know, what's in my inbox, the mailbag idea. I kind of like doing this. Uh there's a lot on here, and, and again, it's really what I'm trying to display and, and explain is just the true comprehensive financial planning is is much more than just the investing piece. Right? We sound like broken records when we say that, but I'm going to say it until I'm blue in the face until people actually get yeah, it. As you should. And uh, from, scream it from the mountaintop. So, again, I talked about charitable giving. I talked about uh, looking at alternative investments. Another one we're working on recently is helping a couple evaluate their dream home and another couple evaluating uh, a vacation getaway. Should you rent it? When should you do it? Do you loop in other family members? Do you set up a family limited partnership? I mean, there's all sorts of different things that go into that. Uh, and we're facilitating all of it, working with the experts in that particular area, whether that's an attorney or an insurance agent or a broker, you name it, right? Our job is to conduct the orchestra, right? And keep everybody in line. Um, the other good one, working on setting up a cash balance pension plan, a retirement plan for a, for a dentist. Um, the way to supercharge retirement savings and, and uh, also provide a benefit to their employees. So that's great. And uh, another scenario, too, helping them evaluate what type of health insurance plan is right for the business. And that's very detailed, and you got to work with health insurance experts to get it right because uh, there's so many fine uh, details that are really important when you're evaluating health insurance. And we've talked about that, Jesus, on the show for years now since Obamacare came into law and all the changes that came with that. And now it's still a challenge for a lot of businesses to figure out you know, what's the right plan. And that's something you got to look at annually. Um, and so there's, and there's a lot, we celebrate a lot of good things with people. And then unfortunately there's scenarios too, where people pass away. And so we're working with surviving spouses, helping them settle their deceased spouse estate, right? Yeah. Working through that, working with the attorneys, um, the accountants on all that. So there's a lot there, but Spencer, I know you got other things going on too. Share, share some from your, I mean, your yeah, mine are kind of similar to some extent. Um, like my whole thing right now has pretty much been now the 2021 tax are in the book. I either have clients reaching or people reaching out to me just asking about getting connections for a new accountant. I have some people that I know they're working with accountant. I've already made a connection with them. So the second 2021 is in the books, orchestrating a phone call, getting on with the people I'm working with as well as the accounts. Yep. That's been good. Uh, I had some people reaching out to me about how should you keep more cash on hand versus should you pay down a 4 or 5% interest rate debt, especially with interest rates starting to fluctuate, going through that. So it's pretty similar. Um, Going back to the CPA for a minute, the, yeah. the accountant, right? Now's actually a pretty good time if you're thinking about interviewing a new CPA. You know, you got through the busy season, but uh, let's say you're not, right? You're sticking with that CPA. Is, yeah. is, is tax season over? I would say no. No. <laughs> no, no I've been it's on, not. I've been on three calls in the last three weeks, actually more than that, uh, with different CPAs across the country uh, working on 2022 planning items, right? So 2021, some people haven't even filed yet, right? They're on extension but trying to be proactive and work through that. And I, I asked them a question too. I said, Hey, you know, each, I asked each one of these CPAs a question. I said, when, you know, when are these tax laws going to change? 
And we've talked about that quite a bit too, right? Yeah. At the end of last year. And of course, nothing has changed at this point. All right. The tax code from last year is the same as this year. Some minor changes to the income limits, things like that, but no big sweeping overhauling legislation that's passed. And their answer, each one of them separately said they don't think anything's changed until 2025. Mm-hmm. Keeps things simple. Why is that? Cole, I can go. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, I got uh, the. Tax Cuts and Jobs Act will be sunsetting, so essentially right. uh, reverting back to pre-2018 tax law, which, uh, depending on where you may fit in there, could be a little bit more favorable, but that's a very small band, I think. Um, but I think for many people, it might not be as favorable. Yeah, and I think, too, there's just, I, I don't see, and again, I, just, I keep saying I stop guessing, but I guess I'm guessing when I say this, but <laughs> I don't know how there's going to be a vote on new legislation anytime soon. Yeah, and I think you'd think it'd have to happen before the midterm elections in the fall, uh, so that gives you a, a little window here in the summer to get something done. But I think there's a lot of other things that are distracting now uh, that that may not even get to the floor for for a vote. Yeah. So that's why I think these accountants all said that too. But it's interesting because it's different parts of the country, right? And all these accountants have the same answer; they don't think anything's changing. So whether or not that's true, we'll find out. But uh, tax planning is ongoing. That's really my point. Is even though April deadline is now passed. There's a lot of tax planning you can still be doing. Yeah, I'll be honest, too. Like with some of this, it almost becomes I conflate the two. Um, And part of it's I like the proactive approach. Like one part is I do have people reaching out saying, I'm thinking about switching accounts. What questions do I ask? The other piece, I'm not besmirching any of my accountant friends out there, but I just don't feel like a lot of people get past 2021 taxes and then want to immediately set folks for 2022. Yeah. I don't know a lot of CPAs or EAs or tax preparers that are immediately reaching out after and saying, don't forget to get ahead on this. Start looking at this. And so I do like that we kind of serve as that intermediary to immediately say, even if someone's not reaching out to me and say, hey, can you set up a call with the accountant? Reaching out to them, reaching out to the accountant, getting on the call. So I do like that too. Yeah, I tried to set up a few calls this week and I'm getting a lot of out of office replies. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're I was going to say, I'm convinced from April 15th to about May 15th, every accountant in the country is out of office. Yeah. And certainly they work their butts off during no, business. Yes. Season, so well deserved. Well oh, yeah. deserved break. What about you, Cole? What's been going on in your world? Uh, gold. <laughs> gold's been popular yeah okay it's it's to me it's it's one of the weirdest ones and i know we we've brought up the tagline uh that one of our callers uh said probably years and years yeah. ago but uh, the only people that make money from gold are the people that find it the people that mine it and the people that sell it to the sucker that buys it but you probably don't want to bring that up sometimes when someone's really concerned yeah um, but it's one of those things where it's one of the most emotional decisions next to a house people can make people buy gold because they want to feel it there's that that value there and you, you don't get that with a stock something sitting electronically but the issue is most people want to buy gold when things are scary right and that's when gold's at its highest point so people mentally want to buy gold at highs, and then when do you sell it? Well, you're not going to sell it when things are scary and gold are at gold's high. You want to sell it when things level off, and that's when gold's low. So it's one of the only things mentally I think of where people are almost uh, inclined to buy high, sell low. All right, Cole, I'm going to have fun with it. So what Please if do. instead of all cash in an account, I wanted to throw 1% gold? Not reactionary. I just want to keep 1% gold all the time. What would you say to that? Where do you, where do you keep the gold? Is that like actual physical gold? Gold ETF in an IRA, and I want 1% in there all the time. I'm not buying a reactionary. What do you say? (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you'll avoid the 28% uh, collectible tax. Nice. So there's a positive there. Um, But it's just why? Um, I think that just (laughs) historically, so when things are are scary, you're you're not going to do anything with it. That's the thing. So like with with cash, you're going to pay for it. With stocks, you're going to sell it. You're going to use that. 
but gold you, people tend to hold on to that in that worst case scenario so i don't think it's a good supplement to a cash reserve because it's that well well things hit the fan scenario and then well, okay well now i have gold and i'm gonna barter i guess i don't really know what you even do from there that's fair but i don't want to spend the rest of the show talking about gold i just had to dig in a little yeah. bit i'm sorry well i mean the, the, it makes no sense well that's the that's what i said earlier about being that calming influence and right yeah. and really walking yeah. through okay what are you going to do for the reason why you're buying it right most of the mm-hmm. time it's a hedge against the doomsday scenario and then yep. you really walk it through and the better precious metal in that case would be ammunition. That's really what happens. <laughs> the, the John Sestina approach. That's right. That is interesting. So, I have not got much gold. I've got. We talked about it last week. Uh, I bonds. So I won't. Sure. People put people through that. If you want to listen to it, you can go to our website to the archive section. But uh, yeah, I've gotten that a lot more than gold. Yeah, that's interesting. Another thing. A couple more things here before we wrap up tonight, guys. Uh, helping evaluate pension payout options, right? With like STRS yeah. and, and uh-huh. OPERS. That there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of analysis that goes into that, and geez, there's so many different options people have now when they retire on which option is going to be best and how should they take it, and what about your spouse or what about kids. And most so, people don't even know. Well, yeah, right? I think some of the some of these pension systems don't really show you a lot of the details to yeah. actually go to submit your application to retire. So that's that's kind of frustrating. Uh, but yeah, helping evaluate that and walking through kind of step by step. Another good one this past week, I was re- reviewing some estate planning documents and recognized that somebody thought they had a trust set up, but they didn't. Oh, whoops. So working with the the estate planning attorney to, to get that back up and running and, and get the proper type of trust in place and, and really you know, protect the family. So You'll see that with disability insurance a lot, too. Yep. So and this is just a sample, guys. It's just the week this last week. So as you can see, true financial planning is extremely comprehensive, and it touches on everything you could possibly think of in your financial world. So thank you for listening. We're at the end of the show. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.